I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Cardassians, and things to episode 53 of the Muff Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? If you don't know by now, you don't deserve to know. I'm just kidding. It's the Muppets and Star Trek. (laughs) We've been doing one-to-one reviews of the Muppets show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering the Muppets show with special guest star Gilda Radner and Star Trek original series episode, The Omega Glory. And we don't have any feedback this time around, but I will say that Paul Wright a couple episodes ago, if you remember, did say that this Gilda Radner episode is one of his favorites, I believe he said. So just remember that it's it's a it's a good one. But we'll we'll get into that later. But Steve, who is this guest star Gilda Radner? Tell us about her. Gilda Radner, an American comedy icon who made her mark in the inaugural cast of Saturday Night Live and even did a one woman show on Broadway. Unfortunately, she left us a little too soon and died of ovarian cancer in 1979. Uh, her dying wish was for her husband, Gene Wilder, was to use her death to help prevent and give warning to others suffering from cancer. And Wilder, Wilder established the Gilda Radner Hereditary Cancer Program at Cedar sinai Hospital. Hmm. And in 1991, Gilda's Club was formed, an affiliation of clubs and support groups for people living with and surviving with cancer uh, and family members thereof. I didn't know that. What does our audience know her from? With reoccurring characters like Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, Baba Wawa, and uh, Emily Latella, who, which we saw at the beginning of this episode of The Muppet Show, uh, she solidified herself as an American comedy icon, despite us having fairly little time with her. Yeah, very little. So what's she up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, on stage this week, Kermit comes out and introduces Gilda. But first, we get a trip to the Arctic with Lullaby of Broadway being performed by Inuit Pigs. You know, like you do Arctic creatures. <laughs> Makes Just a lot like of sense. <laughs> uh, Gilda comes out in a fancy dress to thank Kermit for giving her a chance to sing an operetta. And then they realize there's a mix up where instead of getting her a giant parrot, Kermit got her a giant carrot for the opening number. <laughs> a very pretentious they, giant carrot. <laughs> they take the stage and perform a bunch of numbers from the Pirates of Penzance laden with ve- vegetable jokes and eventually vegetables join in the singing. Up next, we get a melodramatic piece with Piggy hanging from a cliffside while a villain above uh, watches over her. A Prince Charming comes, but then tries to learn tap dancing lessons from the villain. And while she just hangs there, it's real good. <laughs> uh, following this, we get a Muppophone performance of the Witch Doctor until at the end, a Witch Doctor shows up and turns Marvin Zuggs into a Muppophone. Afterward, we get a lovely pig music number with Piggy called the Bird on Nellie's Hat. It's a cute little number. Yeah. Then we take a visit to the Muppet Labs, where through an accident, Gilda Radner squirts everyone and everything with ultra super glue, leading to her and everyone sticking to everything for the rest of the episode. It gets all over the camera, too. It's kind of fun. Uh, Up next, we get Rolf and Zoot playing body and soul until Rolf realizes he is literally stuck to the keys and Zoot can't get his mouth off his saxophone. (laughs) We get uh, a check-in, the Muppet News anchor, who confirms that the adhesive is under control and then finds he is also stuck to his desk. Backstage, Piggy is literally stuck on Kermit, and Gonzo's eyes are glued to a television. I don't think I can support you forever. (laughs) (laughs) 
Finally, we get Gilda's closing number where her hand is stuck to her forehead and a springy exercise device is glued to Beaker off stage. <laughs> she performs tap your troubles away and sticks to the floor as she's going and eventually the wall of the theater. Uh, Kermit thanks Gilda. Everyone is stuck to everything, including Statler and Waldorf, who are glued to their seats. And that is what we call The Muppet Show. Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode with Gilda Radner? Oh, she was just fantastic. She's also kind of like a Muppet herself. Um, and I was, I've only really seen her from Saturday Night Live. And to see her do so much more here that I knew she was, a, she was capable of, like she's like a full on vaudeville type of performer. She can tap dance, she can sing. Um, she's not the best singer in the world, but she can sing as well as most of those vaudevillian type people could. You know, they they are that's right. They were decent. They could sing. They could dance. They could do all the things. And she's funny, physical humor. She's adorable. Um, and she looked completely comfortable with the Muppets. It's like there was no one else there but the Muppets and her. Um, and I think the the glue scene behind that was all great. It actually tied the whole show together and like was stayed with the. It was on stage and backstage. Um. And uh, I, I really like that song, the ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, jing, jing. It's kind of a little racist, probably, mm-hmm. but still, I, my, I, the little, doctor, yeah, yeah. When I, when I was a kid, I listened to that song all the time, so I really like that. Was there? It was a pleasant surprise. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, overall, this I think for me is in like the top five episodes I've seen of Muppet Show so far. Gilda was, I absolutely agree. Gilda was absolutely great. The number she was in was great, and the episode itself was extremely solid. Might. My- issue and they've done this a few times this season and i'm not sure if it's just the something with the writing is they start like two different backstage plots and they can't settle on either Mm. so i think the backstage plot could have absolutely hilariously been the entire episode was that kermit misunderstood her letter and so every single number she's in is just a little bit off oh that would have been a good opportunity yeah (laughs) or the flip side of that that the Muppet knew the Muppet labs is like early and first. And then as she goes from number to number, she just has more and more things sticking to her. That also would have been a government until at the end where she's just stuck full of stuff. And they kind of half played both when I wish they would have picked one and drove it through the entire backstage plot. That's true. And maybe they did more in other episodes better, but yeah, but it still worked overall. It still worked. It was still absolutely great. And the bits were great. I just both were such good premises. Like the idea that everything is just a little bit off because Kermit couldn't understand her handwriting would have been a hilarious premise for an entire backstage plot that then would have driven the onstage plot. And same thing with the super glue. Yeah, they could have done that for like that could have been three different episodes, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it wasn't her fault in any way she performed. She was absolutely spectacular, performed the hell out of it, really showed range. And did what they do with some of their characters where she just got her bit out of the way right up front. Mm-hmm. The muffin show. Uh, that, that, that's just an SNL bit that they just got out of the way and did. And watch. <laughs> she's actually talented enough where she doesn't rely on her bits. She can do lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not like many of the hosts we've had seen are like one trick ponies and have nothing else to offer. <laughs> that's right. Um, so overall, I agree. Super strong episode. Nice. Uh, let's talk about some music this week. So she comes out and does that trio of songs, uh, all from the Pirates of Penzance by Gilbert and Sullivan. Whenever I find these old uh, music people, I always like to look at their deaths because there's always some interesting fact. <laughs> uh, so Sullivan maybe a little less interesting. He suffered from kidney disease, uh, which actually forced him to conduct sitting down for most of the end of his career. Hmm. 
And then he got really bad bronchitis and died from heart failure. Gilbert, however, uh, in his retirement years, bought this huge estate and was giving swimming lessons to two women in his like private lake. And one of them started to drown and he jumped into the water to save her and had a heart attack and died trying to save this woman. Likely story. Swimming lessons with two young uh-huh. ladies and he has a heart attack. He would. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hero <laughs> he was having sex with them and he died of a heart attack that guy went out like a champ uh, witch doctor <laughs> written and performed by a guy named Ross Bagdasarian who was better known as David Seville his stage alias if that sounds familiar for you, to you it's because it's the name of Dave from Alvin and the Chipmunks who he also created oh go figure and released their first albums um like the witch doctor, which is probably where you and I heard it the first time. That's possible. Yeah. was the chipmunks uh, is this guy, same guy, Ross Bagdasarian. <laughs> that name sounds familiar. Uh, actually. Like it was on a book. I hate to have as a kid or probably the Bagdasarian yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, the bird on Nelly's hat music by Alfred Solman and lyrics by Arthur lamb. Solman was born in Berlin, came to the U S after his divorce and signed a really terrible exclusive uh, contract. Uh, and it was a major detriment to his career. Uh, by the time his contract expired, he had been pigeonholed into doing this weird old time music for so long that he couldn't break out and his career never recovered. Oh, body and soul. This was later performed as a duet by Tony Bennett and Amy Winehouse Whoa. and was her final recording before her death. Jeez. Tony Bennett is also a, a Muppet movie cameo haver showing up momentarily in Muppets most wanted. Hey, Tony Bennett, how you doing? That was terrible. Uh, and then impression. Tap Your Troubles Away. Yes, that was. Uh, Tap Your Troubles Away. Made famous by uh, musicians Mac and uh, the musical Mac and Mabel. The original 1974 Broadway run featured fellow Muppet Show guest Bernadette Peters. Very nice. Mac and Mabel. Jarman, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? I will say before I mention my Muppeteering moment, we should mention an honorable mention of the fact that both the Carrot performer and Gilda Radner did eventually do a wonderful job of the ridiculously hard song, The Modern Major General. Oh, the performance was spectacular. How the that hell whole they, thing, the I, whole operetta thing was great. Yeah, it was insane. But um, I will say for Muppet moment, the most nuts and bon- gonzo, not the character gonzo, but gonzo and how crazy it was, was the, <laughs> uh, the Arctic uh, lullaby of Broadway scene. <laughs> I thought that was nuts. There was a lot of moving parts there for that. It was insane. Um, so that, that right off the bat was like, whoa, what the hell is going on? Uh, I'm going to give it to the Muppet melodrama. Just the visual of the dancing feet and Piggy hanging over the edge and the cuts in between was very well done and was kind of a, was a great illusion considering it's like, you know, a, pup, a Muppeteer pretending to hang off of like a four foot stage. Right. I did notice how they would have had to cut to two different sets for that because if the feet were a different shot than the actual Muppets themselves. So yeah, that, that, was oh, yeah. Pretty, that is pretty neat. I did notice that. Uh, so German, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series? The Omega Glory, which sounds like it would be one of the epi- many episodes that has like an all-powerful alien entity in it, but it's not, <laughs> surprisingly. So the Enterprise discovers the USS Exeter orbiting the planet Omega-4, not like that matters. And Kirk, Spock, and Bones in a red shirt beam down to the Exeter, the actual uh, the spacecraft Exeter, because it isn't responding to hails. The ship is totally deserted, with only the crew's uniforms laying everywhere, filled with little crystals. 
and they find out the ship was infected by something, which caused them all to turn into those little crystals and die from losing all the water in their bodies somehow. So from watching the last log of the medical officer on the Exeter, they are told they must immediately beam down to the planet or they too will turn into crystals and die. So they beam down immediately and find a big white dude about to be decapitated by a bunch of Asian guys. Uh, And they're about to stop it from happening. But then they are confronted at that very moment by the captain of the Exeter, the very well-respected Ron Tracy. And he seems to be in charge of everyone there, apparently. So Tracy tells them that once you are on this planet, you get infected by the deadly virus that turns you into crystals. And you only, only if you remain on the planet will you remain okay. Otherwise, if you go to your ship, you infect everyone there. And that's what his landing party did on his ship. And they went back to the ship and everyone turned to crystals. And he was the last person left on the planet. He also explains that he's living in the village with the comms. Those are the Asian folks. And the savage white folks outside the village are the Yangs. <laughs> so after another attack by the Yangs, uh, Spock discovers that Tracy has been contaminating their culture by using his phasers to slaughter the Yangs uh, indiscriminately and protects the comms, therefore directly violating the Prime Directive, which is a big no-no. Sometimes, whenever Kirk feels like it. So before Kirk can report him to Starfleet, uh, Tracy takes the landing party captive, he kills the red shirt, and he explains to Kirk the people of this planet have no diseases and they apparently live for thousands of years. So he wants to discover how they're doing this and then somehow package it and sell it and become rich and powerful. And now he wants Bones to do that since Bones is a good doctor. He wants Bones to figure out how they're staying alive for so long. So Tracy imprisons the trio and they eventually escape, but not before Kirk makes a little good impression with the imprisoned Yang member, uh, part of the Yang gang, if you will, (laughs) finding out that they may not be as barbaric as they once thought. So the escape is short-lived, as usually happens, and Tracy captures them again. But Bones discovers by his uh, studying these people there that there's no way to actually reproduce the immortality they seem to have because it's all based off of them being alive at the time of this big biological attack and it's, there's no way for it to actually be reproduced or something like that. It's not quite clear why he can't reproduce it. Um, but this just caused Tracy to go nuts and he tells Kirk, I don't care. I want you to send me down phasers from the Enterprise. We're going to slaughter more Yangs. Um, but the Yangs soon take over the town because Kirk doesn't send down any more phasers and they're all captured by the Yangs who have now recaptured the entire village and are now having a happy little recapturing ceremony. And it is there that Kirk and his crew figure out that somehow these Yangs were actually Yankees that had evolved exactly the same exact way we did here on, in, on Earth and developed a U.S. government, had an American flag and everything. And instead of in the Cold War, instead of us winning the Cold War, the Asiatics, as they call this episode, did. Um, so the Yankee Yangs were cast out during their Cold War to the desert and became a nomadic tribal kind of lifestyle. And Tracy, at this point, finding out that they're all, you know, they're still, uh, you know, savages, according to him, he tries to convince them that Kirk is evil. And so they decide to let uh, Tracy and Kirk fight to the death to find out who's good and who's evil. But while fighting, Spock hypnotizes a Yang woman and has her pick up a communicator, uh, which worries the Enterprise enough once the communicator is activated that they send down Sulu with a um, a away team and they shut down the whole fight because they have the phasers and they're better. So then it's when we have Kirk giving the speech of speeches and chewing the scenery like mad, 
uh, talking about the Constitution and how wonderful it is. And he explains to the Yangs how they can better uh, set up the United States again, uh, even though the comms in this situation did nothing wrong and were just slaughtered and taken over by these people. And now they're going to be, you know, controlled because of Kirk, uh, Kirk's doing. So that is the episode. Steve, what did you think of the Omega Glory? So things, this was a rough one for me. <laughs> um, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I'll start with some things I liked. Ron uh, Tracy, was that the, the, the opposing captain's yeah, name? Tracy, yeah. Ron Tracy may be the best acted villain we have seen in the show to date. Rivaled maybe only by Harry Mudd. Are you Truly. sure he wasn't uh, just as good as, uh, hold on, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it as Simon Van Gelder in Dagger of the Mind. I don't remember that one. Because it's the same actor. <laughs> he, was, uh, okay. he was the villain in that episode, too, but he was a little more nuts and sweaty. Uh, whereas this one, he's more control and a villainous. But yeah, go on. You're, you're right. He's, he's very but good. Yeah, I think that he was the best acted villain that we've seen so far. Um, the Spock as a devil thing is a second recent episode where Spock really gives away the full landing party and maybe he just shouldn't go down anymore. <laughs> True. Like putting them in jeopardy just by existing everywhere he goes. Well, they also keep um, going to plants where they should be alien races, but they look exactly human. So that's kind of annoying. Uh, and then the American flag reveal was nuts and kind of out of left. Like it was very surprising realistically. Mm. Um, things I dislike Tracy's motivations didn't make a ton of sense to me. Right. He's like this respected, well-meaning starship captain. Who's like, we have to see if we can make ourselves immortal. Don't you understand? <laughs> um, and maybe if he was some young impetuous captain looking to make a name for himself or something like that, they could have played that angle, but it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Why do you suddenly snap? Um, yeah. And then they're really pushing the boundaries of um, of what we will believe as an audience. A different world, far away, is so parallel <laughs> to our own that they have the exact same flag. I can understand the same ideals and maybe similar documents, but like literally a flag with 50 stars. So they also coincidentally had 50 states. And coincidentally, they have the exact same words of their constitution. They were no different. <laughs> and the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> and the exists. Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and this seems like it's almost bordering on alternate timeline as opposed to an alternate world. And that could have just been a cleaner explanation. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But it just, it really, some of these episodes are really pushing the boundaries of what I can stand. <laughs> I can stand. <laughs> Like I do, I'm like, who thought this was like, yes, someone will believe that another world filled with an alien race, millions of light years away has the same constitution as America. <laughs> um, now, mind you, it's also very like presumptive and I don't know, I don't want to say patriotic because it's just dumb. But I think what they're hinting at is like, well, the American way is clearly the best way. So, of course, some other race. Right. And a completely <laughs> different world would come to this same conclusion. America, am I right? Um, but this was a real rough, real rough episode for me. Yeah, and it's got a lot of uh, very racist things still, because even though the they at first it seems like, oh, they're being very progressive, calling finally the white people are the savages and something someone else is not, or the more, you know, um Yeah, the white people are the savages called the Yangs. 
yeah and then the asian people like, were okay cool civilized and i was like that's cool but then they make they call the asians the communists eventually they're like oh and we don't care they just got wiped out and taken over because oh obviously they're wrong even though they were the civilized ones <laughs> so that made no sense and apparently there's been like papers written about this episode there was a lot of analysis on the wikipedia page that like people have written in like thesis papers and stuff like that where this was included as a encapsulation of that time of the cold war and how in, in late 60s how they were feeling about all these things at the moment and it's it's problematic at, at best but uh um yeah. so it was okay it was just okay and it just yeah you're right just very thin uh it, i thought it was a fine episode up until the reveal of the uh the flag i'm like oh man really that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so but anyways well so we have a great episode in Gil- gilda radner and an okay one with this one and yeah, just okay there's some trivia for this uh this is the second of three times the enterprise encounters another constitution class starship with the entire crew dead the other two were in the doomsday machine and the tholian mm-hmm. web uh and that's only Oh, so this is the third time. Yeah, so the Tholian Web we haven't seen yet, but that'll be up next uh, season. Uh, this is one of three scripts submitted to NBC, along with Where No Man Has Gone Before and Mud's Women, uh, when they were seeking to do a second pilot for the series. So this could have been mm. the kickstart to the the Kirk uh, Star Trek. I'm so glad it wasn't, because it would have been terrible. Oh, wow. That would have been weird. Yeah. I mean, maybe for the time, people would have loved it because it was so patriotic, but it's just... That's man. true. I'm just glad it doesn't go down in history as the first episode of Kirk. Um, NBC announced that Star Trek would be renewed for a third season during the closing credits of this episode when it was broadcast in 1968. So after an arduous letter writing campaign from fans uh, by B. Joe Trimble, she's a big fan that started all this, they finally accepted a third season and they announced it on the credits of this episode and they wrote in the in the credits, please do not send any more letters <laughs> because people are just sending letters <laughs> continuously. I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, and as I mentioned before, Morgan Woodward, if you do look back at some pictures, you'll probably remember he's the same craggy faced guy who played uh, Tracy in this one, played Simon Van Gelder, a guy who went nuts in Dagger of the Mind uh, episode we watched from the first season. Right. Um, he's just a very recognizable, you know, pitted craggy face <laughs> he does yeah so what are our trek connection muppet connections this week well uh as mentioned earlier gilda radner was married to gene wilder at the time of her death the premiere of one of his films after her death called another you was held at the director's guild in la and was the first fundraiser for the gilda radner ovarian cancer detection program at cedar sinai it was a star-studded event and leonard nimoy was there very nice. And I will say a, a, a Muppet connection for myself here. Uh, I, I met uh, uh, Gene Wilder in college. I got uh, went to a book signing before he passed away. And I think he passed away. Yeah, last few years he did. Uh, and got to shake his hand and signed, signed his book. And that means I'm two steps away from Gilda Radner. So there you go. That's right. And only three away from Jim Henson. Then. There you go. That's true. That's right. Uh, let's see. One of Gilda's final films was called movers and shakers. It had a small appearance from a character actor named Gene Donarski. Donarski was also in two original series episodes, including the iconic muds women oh. as Ben, the main discontented miner. Aha. Very nice. That's right. That's it. Oh, that's- <laughs> I, I tried. I'm leaving that silence in. Cause that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's like, uh, that, that, that's it. 
but these were the same episodes. I mean, as basically, we, yeah, because we have similarities every week, folks. If you don't already know, we, we should probably don't say that enough. This is our segment similarities where we talk about what's similar between the two episodes. There's the same episode, the same episode. So just as Gilda Radner expected to sing an operetta with a giant parrot, but instead finds a giant carrot. Kirk expects to find the respected Captain Ron Tracy, but only finds mm-hmm. Tracy as a traitorous and vicious breaker of the Prime Directive. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, both feature people getting stuck, Gilda with the glue, and Kirk getting stuck on the planet. That's true. Uh, That's right. Gilda tries to tap her troubles away, just as Captain Tracy thinks he can just have all his troubles go away if he just cracks the secret of immortality on that planet. But meanwhile, both of their worlds come apart around them, literally and figuratively, respectively. Oh. <laughs> both feature many <laughs> negative implications due to a misnomer, the carrot being switched with the parrot, causing confusion, and the yangs and the cons in Star Trek. <laughs> That's very true. Was that, that your last one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Transporter now function. Transporter now function. And here's part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. What you got for us, Steve? Uh, I've got the giant carrot and all the vegetables coming over to replace the yangs. <laughs> I just think it'd be really funny to see all the brutal barbarians be giant. Uh, like vegetables <laughs> that would be more alien radishes too. that would be great right. <laughs> i like it um i have captain tracy to come over to replace uncle deadly because he's good at playing a crazy villain i could see it and i'd love to see him do a wild-eyed flamenco dance so that'd be great uh, i have something similar i've got one of the yangs and one of the cons coming over and replacing uncle deadly and wayne the dancer and then they eventually come together over the love of dance Oh, I love that. They're, both are civilizations. That's right. And Kirk's just hanging off the cliff. <laughs> um, Some help, please. I'd love to see Gilda Radner come over to replace Cloud William, who was the, the head Yang on our episode. Uh, she would be <laughs> she'd be hilarious to that part. And I'd love to see her beat up Kirk constantly like she did this episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like when they're about to escape and then she just clubs Kirk. I was like, what the? Okay. <laughs> she could just be like, whammy, and just like leave. And like, she'd be so cute, but like still beating everyone up. And I think that'd be adorable. <laughs> I'm Cloud William. I'm very mad with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think that brings us to the end of episode 53 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Pearl Bailey. Oh, I thought it was Paul Bailey. I was, ro- I was it's wrong. It's a lady. <laughs> and original series episode, The Ultimate Computer. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Oh,